The Roots team is proud to bring you Strengthen Your Roots, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into connecting with teammates on topics like leadership, as well as personal and professional skill building. Welcome back to Strengthen Your Roots podcast. I'm Julie Pope, a business analyst on Applications Development One, and your host for this month's episode. We're still in our How I Built This podcast series, and so far we've heard from Farmland, Rule First, Ag Direct, and today's episode is focused on Salesforce and change management. Today, I'm excited to have Tom Dobby, Regional Vice President of Business Development, and Aaron Aliano, Organizational Change Practitioner. Tom and Aaron, thanks so much for joining me today. Before diving into our questions, would you both mind giving us a brief uh, personal and professional bio? Sure. I live in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, I lead a sales team there in Southeast Nebraska. Um, I've spent my life in retail ever since I started with the company, probably um, close to 45 years ago, but not quite yet. (laughs) So, been here a long time. Yeah, and I came in 2019 when the change management discipline was uh, introduced to Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit, and uh, part of a group that um, formed here. My professional work involves 20 years of supporting the people side of change, so I was excited to come on board. On a personal note, I'm married to Joe Aliano, a sales support coordinator in agribusiness capital, uh, supporting the swine and the poultry team, which also happen to be my two favorite meats. Well, yum. <laughs> awesome. Thank you both. Yeah. Um, Salesforce was such a huge undertaking for our organization. Can you tell us both a little bit about the early days of the project? I've been involved with customer relationship management, which is essentially what Salesforce is for a long, long time, because I was on the team that originally selected what we used prior to Salesforce, Relationship, which was a product known as Pivotal. And way back around the year 1999 to 2000, I was on a team that selected that. I was not involved in implementing that one, but I was closely involved over the next 20 years with that project, with the, just the industry of CRM. I spoke at a lot of different uh, events nationally, talking about our experience wow. with implementing CRM and the success factors it takes to do and stuff like that. But my involvement in Salesforce happened with uh, a phone call from Krista McDonald, and she said, hey, we need you, and uh, we'd like you to lead the implementation of this. And so that's what I did. I uh, left my job temporarily and uh, stepped in, and uh, that's the rest, the rest of was history. history. Yeah. yeah, I was excited that Tom joined the team too because one of the first questions as a change management practitioner is, I want to know the legacy of the system and who brought in the system that uh, was created in the beginning, yeah. and to know that Tom had that history and he kept up to date on uh, the latest trends of CRM was really beneficial and he brought a good level of understanding needed to connect the value for stakeholders, the leaders, teammates who would be utilizing the solution every day um, from launch on. And uh, he was a perfect bridge in understanding both the, the business, of course, you know, with his um, 45 years of, of working in retail, um, but also the benefits of that new technology solution by keeping up to date in what was happening. Um, He's also a great storyteller, that's for sure, and I appreciated that so much um, when he needed to connect the people who were being impacted by this with why it was going to bring value, why it was going to be important to make this change, and um, to keep up with the trends and to keep up with what we needed to serve our customers. 
Awesome. Thank you both. Erin, you uh, mentioned the people as well as the stakeholders. Can you guys uh -huh. tell, tell us a little bit about how, how much there was of a need to kind of continue to engage with stakeholders throughout Well, it's this. a really big change when you change a CRM system. Um, CRM is, is essentially a customer truth center. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very big system, very important to a lot of people who work in this company in all different kinds of teams and roles. Uh, so there is a lot of stakeholders that are involved in it. And so when you're doing this, it's a little bit like doing open heart surgery and brain surgery at the same time. Uh, people get nervous mm -hmm. about it. What are you changing here? And we knew that. We knew we were heading into that and we were gonna impact a lot of people's daily lives. And the reality of it is, um, it's when you go live, it's like you go home on a Friday night and you were working in one system. And when you come back on Monday morning, that system's gone and you're in a new system and it's a big one for you. So it's a big change. One of the things Tom had to balance was working with the project team and understanding what they were doing and, and how they were implementing the different needs of the enterprise as a whole. But he also had to do stakeholder management, which included meetings with AgDirect, retail, agribusiness capital, RCL, operations and teams like loan accounting. Um, our customer support was coming on board at the same time. We had to talk to legal, compliance, risk. I mean, think about all the different stakeholders that were being impacted by this um, truth center. And Tom had to make sure that they understood um, not only how they were gonna be impacted, but what their needs were as the technology was being built. And that's a part of change management that we, we helped to the leader manage throughout the implement of the solution. Awesome, thank yeah. you both. In a wild turn of events that I don't think anyone could have predicted while this was all happening with all your stakeholder management and continuing um, to evolve the product, COVID comes out of nowhere. What the uh, heck? What the heck, right? Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you guys continue to stay adaptable and but still um, make progress while um, working on this implementation yeah, For a lot well. of people, it was a very surreal experience. It really doesn't matter what company you're with, where you were in the world. When it hit, everybody can kind of talk about all of a sudden, everything changed. Yeah, you yeah. Know? The cool thing for us is our company was really very well prepared for it. Our technology was very portable. Our team was very portable. I mean, we just, uh, we pivoted to working on Zoom calls, which we were already doing with our integration partner, Zenify. Mm -hmm. We held daily Zoom calls with them. So we just pivoted to doing Zoom calls and there were just more faces on the Zoom screen. And uh, that's, that's how we existed all the way through Go Live. Yeah. We had a little bit of in-person, but very little. And that was from about, I think it was March 13th that we kind of said, okay, we're pulling the plug and moving out uh, all the way to late August yeah. before uh, we went live. We really had to rethink um, the engagement with our change champions and um, our training, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, we had a plan of doing a road show and being able to go out and talk to uh, our teammates who were being impacted, uh, being, doing a lot of show and tells and, and training, hands-on training. Uh, and we had to pivot. Mm -hmm. It was um, just reworking and using the technology that we had through Zoom, um, but also the relationships that we had, right, across the organization with the different specialty areas. 
the even the implementation team, we had a couple of in, internal meetings and um, get to know you opportunities to build ourselves as a team, and then it turned on a dime. Right. Um, and being very intentional in what the meetings, why we we're meeting and what we we're meeting for, because everybody's time was really stretched then. So. For this project, about how many teammates were impacted and what would you say was the scope of the business? Sure, I think uh, it would be easier to talk about who wasn't impacted um, by the implementation of Salesforce. You know, I think HR, ODL, strat and strategy teams were mm -hmm. the only ones who did not attend training on Salesforce, but they were still impacted in the amount of support that they okay. provided, HR doing talent acquisition, of course, and, and helping to manage that work, ODL in helping with training and videos and promoting and, and demonstrations, and then strategy um, teams, of course, helping to implement. But, um, you know, I'll turn it over to you, Tom, in talking about the project team and, and the impact and the amount of teammates there, too. Oh, there was a, it was a huge group of people that had to be marshaled together. And we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, our project manager, Karina Savage, mm -hmm. who did a phenomenal job of driving us every day to we've got to accomplish things, we've got to get things done, we've got to achieve, you know. She was really on point, kept us organized. And then Brett Rutter, who was our technology lead, did a fantastic job of finding the technology resources we needed. But yeah, I'd say at any one time, uh, when you total it all up, we were probably looking at 200 some people that were engaged and involved in one way or another in creating Salesforce and making it uh, ready to go live. Right. Yeah, and the SMEs, the super users that we used uh, that were providing the information on what they needed, the requirements and, and gathering those requirements, um, but also the, the specialty areas when you came to Omaha and uh, were able to use um, all those different um, people. It was just yeah, amazing. Yeah, it really was. It was one of the big ahas I had in, in coming in and leading this team. First of all, um, is one of the requests I had was I said I need a really good project manager because uh, I can do strategy but I'm not I'm not the guy to do all the execution and and we had that um, in, in Karina Savage and and then it was really just um, I, we would need to do something or figure out something and the aha I had was the immense amount of skill and expertise that resides in teams here in our Omaha corporate facility that I wasn't even aware of. I mean, you know, you see all these teams and all these, these uh, leaders get hired and you hear about things, but you're not sure exactly what they do maybe. And that's kind of common mm -hmm. across a lot of our retail teammates. But let me tell you, when you come in here and you need to put together a, a project like this, you are so thankful that that talent, that that expertise, that that specialization exists because I literally could, I'd turn to Brett and he says, we got a team that does that. We'll, we'll put them on it and bam, they'd got there it you done, go. you know? I mean, it was just amazing. And so it's one of the cool ahas that it really takes all of us to do something like this. You need the subject matter experts and um, super users that are that are near the front lines in any one of these businesses and stakeholders we had, mm -hmm. but you also need people who can integrate data, um, who user experience designers. Okay. Here's how it feels to go through this 
this particular screen. Uh, data architects, software architects, uh, and our training team was amazing. They pivoted on a dime. They were headed out thinking we're gonna do, they were actually looking at booking at venues so they could hold training events. And then suddenly it was, we can't do that. Yeah. We have to deliver it all virtually. And boy, let me tell you, they, they knew how to do it. And the instructional designers and stuff that are, existed in that team mm -hmm. really helped us out. Um, Aaron, can you tell us um, about what goes into a change like this for teammates, right? We've said it's really large, but um, what, how do we kind of start to build that, would you say? So let's talk a little bit about the emotion yeah. that goes into a change. And like I said in, uh, earlier, you know, bringing in somebody who was part of, of developing the first system and then um, sunsetting that legacy system and bringing it through, we used an analogy of moving houses a lot. We used the analogy of a house of plumbing and electricity and how we're building this new uh, solution for a lot of different scenarios throughout the, um, the work that we are doing. But it's not just a lift and shift from one system to another. We like to think of the change as moving from one home to another home. And uh, there are things that you're really comfortable and you know is reliable. Uh, you know how, you know, where to go for stuff in your old home. Um, but when you go and do something in a new home, uh, you don't have the confidence. And um, we wanted to make sure that our teammates felt confident when they moved into this new environment, when they moved into their new home, because their relationships weren't changing with their customers. They still knew their customers. They knew what their customers needed. They had a lot of, of that foundation, but we wanted their confidence in the system, especially when they're operating a lot of times in front of their customer mm -hmm. uh, within the system. So that was what we really tried to focus on and understanding what we were going to provide them in the new system that was familiar and maybe some terminology changes, mm -hmm. um, working with our training teammates to really set up those functions so that they understood what they were doing today and what it was going to look like in, the, in Salesforce as the solution. So uh, we didn't want them fumbling around and we wanted to make sure that they felt confident uh, in doing that. And the other challenge in, in that whole change management is you only know what you know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, that was one of uh, the weaknesses I had it, is that I'm, I'm a retail guy. I know the retail environment. I know how to, how to do that, and I've done it for a long time. But when you have stakeholders like our legal team and um, like AgDirect and uh, all of the others that and Capital Markets was a good example. They don't, they don't really make loans, they buy loans, you mm -hmm. know. So everything has a, a different angle and they had different unique needs. And, um, you know, there was a lot of discovery that had to go on in order to figure out how do you really build this so that it, this new home feels good for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, I, I wouldn't say we hit it 100% with each one of them, but we certainly um, did our best to listen and to do everything we can to get them into a comfortable space so that when they move to this new home, they go, okay, I can live here. This will do. I this can live do. here. Yeah, exactly. I think what I'm hearing you both also say, too, is business doesn't stop, right? And customers' needs don't pause no. because we've decided to kind of change technologies. There's mm -hmm. still, you're, you come in on that Monday and 
you got to run like you always have. You're having a housewarming party. You're having a housewarming party <laughs> on the first, first day you moved in. Boxes got to yes. be unpacked. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Tom and Aaron, can you both kind of tell us a little bit about the concept of um, Salesforce as an MVP release as well? Well, that's a term that, that you know, I picked up in, in this whole process, a minim minimally viable product. Mm -hmm. Our first goal was we want to deliver what we absolutely have to have to do business day one. Mm -hmm. And you certainly can't try to deliver everything because this is an immensely powerful tool that can do lots and lots of things. But we knew that if we try to build it so that it does everything day one, it's going to take too long. Mm -hmm. And our executive sponsor, you know, Russ Wagner, was really uh, focused on we got to get this out, we got to get it uh, delivered, and uh, he did a great job of supporting us. He and Krista both. We had tremendous executive and senior leader support in this thing all the way through. Angie Winnegar was really instrumental for us. There was a lot of people like that involved. So, so yeah, to to get it done, you, you know, you you do have to deliver um, what's needed to keep the business running right. day one, mm -hmm. and then you go from there. Um, change champions were another huge uh, factor in this project. Can you tell um, us a little bit about that role and some of those teammates? We have used change champions in other areas of the business. I mean, Tom, you used change champions when you introduced relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we use them in the CX change champions or champions. Mm -hmm. And really, the idea of creating a change champion is a best practice in implementing any change. And I can get into the, the weeds a little bit. First and foremost, Tom, like I said, was balancing between working with the project team, also stakeholder management, and getting information out on a regular basis um, through different mediums of communication. I was creating that content, and there came a time that I understood exactly what our cadence was, and, and we understood where we're going with our change strategy. I needed somebody who knew the business who could sit alongside of me. And um, that's when we found Brandy Balzer, our lead change champion. Uh, she really provided me that personal mm -hmm. connection to be able to take what we were doing from the project team, be able to put it into content that we could share with our teammates and our leaders so that they understood the journey and, and how we were going along the way. In change management, we utilize the ADCAR framework across um, this entire implementation. And um, we introduced that um, when change management first came on. But through this one, we really focused the communication on the awareness, desire, mm -hmm. the knowledge, ability, and reinforcement. And the change champions met as a group at least once a month during the implementation. Brandy and I would provide change leadership coaching for the 75 change champions that we had uh, engaged. And then we would present information coming from Tom on um, what information they needed to know to understand the level of awareness, why we we're making the change, the desire, why it was going to benefit them, the preparation and in, in training, right? We switched training from you were not going to be in person. It was going to be online, uh, virtual-led training with an instructor. There uh, was peer-to-peer -peer opportunities. There were workbooks that you needed to complete. There was Beckett, yeah. right? This whole new way of getting just-in-time training. So we dedicated a whole uh, Change Champion kit talking about training. And then the ability and reinforcement um, came in uh, through the kits too. And we 
also had activities for our teammates in each one of the kits to provide mm -hmm. feedback for us. Oh, so we yeah. understood where they were, we, they were at in the change journey and we were able to measure that. So then it told Tom, hey, we're ready to move on or we need to do more targeted communication for maybe some teammates who uh, were not feeling um, understood or understanding the value of, of the work that we were doing. Gotcha. And so it was really a neat um, opportunity and uh, we subscribe to the concept the, um, throughout the implementation that teammates need to hear communication at each stage of ADCAR, five to seven times, five to seven different ways. And we provided that information in a variety of ways. And we use more than one person delivering that message. Mm -hmm. So Mark Jensen at a In The Loop video, Tom Dobby, you did uh, Town Hall, Top Stories, um, Brandy Balzer um, really managed our Yammer, oh, yeah. where she would do um, direct phone calls, mm -hmm. um, checking in with, with teammates and understanding. We gave um, leaders opportunities to talk in team meetings. And then, of course, those change champions doing the peer-to-peer -peer and implementing the change champion kits. It was really a cool strategy to be a part of, to develop, and to work alongside Tom and uh, really be able to engage with our teammates. And Aaron was so instrumental and in just the whole change champion practitioners and everybody involved. But Aaron's role for me was really valuable because, you know, I, I kind of honed some skills on change management going through this. Mm -hmm. You know, initially you're just like, well, it's new software. Let's teach them how to run the software. Mm -hmm. Well, change is so much bigger than just that. I could have said, it's a new house. We're moving, you know, tomorrow. Yeah. They're not ready to move. Right. There's a lot of packing up and saying goodbye and and there's concerns about is this the right house to move mm -hmm. to and all this. This whole change thing was is so much deeper and we really as a company have started to really apply true principles to that. It's going to make us better. And so the change champions that we implemented, we brought them along too. Mm -hmm. And they've got a little bit of, a, of an undergraduate degree <laughs> in change management now. They've done it. They've, they understand ADCAR. They understand this is what it's like to take people through. Right. Yeah, right. So, it was a really neat experience. And just to be able to see the change coaching and we are building our bench strength and our leadership across the associations by giving people these opportunities. Uh, what were some of the aha moments you both had while working on this project? Mine was bringing Brandy Balzer in yeah. was a big aha. I feel like I was fighting for time with Tom and um, I knew it was just as important to do change management as it was to have a really awesome implementation strategy for the solution. Um, but as soon as we brought in Brandy, I was like, thank you, goodness, thank goodness for her and her skills. Yeah, and I, I already talked about the one, just mm -hmm. the value of all this expertise in Omaha. I'd say another one was how much fun it was. Yeah. I, it was great. It was just a, it, we, the atmosphere in that team, and, you know, Karina Savage has a lot to do with that, as does everybody involved. But we just really had a lot of fun. We, we developed a great bond and a great rapport and we had really good team engagement and it was just fun. Yeah, I agree, Tom, you had a lot to do with that with your leadership. I mean, we had a lot of encourage the heart moments um, where Tom knew he was asking a lot of our team and our specialties and our work, but um, you really were a fantastic leader to work with. Thank so, you. What are some key factors that make a CRM launch uh, not only successful, but also sustainable? 
Well, there are some very key uh, fundamentals that you got to do with the CRM launch, and this doesn't matter the product, it's true of any of them. Number one, you need strong, unwavering, absolutely unblinking senior leadership support. You need it from the executive suite all the way through because you have to choose, we're gonna do this, everybody's gonna do this, this is gonna be our new home, we're moving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you gotta have that. Then you have to deliver something to your end users. You've got to deliver what we call, what a, a term we use in the industry is 3X, meaning for every item of information and end user inputs into a system, they get at least three times as much value back out of it. Wow. So the system has to give them something. It, it can't just be, well, I've got to record all this so senior or executive leaders can see it. It's got to deliver value. And so that's always something, that's a, that's a chase that never ends. You keep working to deliver and deliver and deliver more value. So you got to have that. And then finally, you got to listen to the end users as, as they use it because they're going to tell you how it's working, what needs to change, what would be really cool next. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing that through Imagine It, through our business support cases, things like that, because the future development of Salesforce in our company and any CRM is dependent upon what are the end users telling us about it. And so we are always listening about that and enhancing it. Yep, and our product team does a really great job of, of listening and categorizing and, and making sure that they're working on the most prioritized um, area for our, our teammates. And you can find out about those enhancements by checking your Salesforce news in Salesforce. They are really good about sharing why they made the enhancement, who it's gonna benefit, and what value it's bringing to our teammates. Uh, it's time for a few rapid-fire questions. If you could be transformed into one animal, what would you be? Oh, I think I would be a horse. I think they just have a fun time. They work hard and they play hard. I, that would be my animal. Uh, mine would be a golden retriever. Uh, we've owned three of them and when I look at their lifestyle, they live every day like they're in retirement. <laughs> Um, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I avoid karaoke, but if I had to sing one, it would probably be Rocket Man by Elton John. You want to give us a little flavor? No. <laughs> I avoid karaoke. <laughs> Aaron, what about you? Oh, that's great. My karaoke song is I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Just a good classic. Classic. Yeah. Great, Bob. Yeah. Um, and how tall are both of you? 6'1". Okay. Aaron? Oh, I'm a little shorter, 5'3", but I look taller on Zoom. Oh, yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, what's the best advice you've ever received? Mine was from a pastor um, who told me uh, once when we were looking at um, something kind of scary ahead in our life, don't cross the bridge. He said too many people cross over the bridge and they go there where they don't have to be and then they find out later, I didn't have to cross the bridge. So he says, don't cross the bridge, just stay here. I love it, like that's it. similar to mine. Mine was from my grandpa and it's don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. And it's like, stay in the present, don't focus on things you don't have any control of. Wow, both great pieces of advice. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Pepsi, Coke, or bubbly? Coke for me and it would be Diet Coke. Diet Coke, okay. 
Neither, none, none of the above. I just am not, a, I'm not a soft drink person. Just H2O? Yep. There you go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this episode's podcast ponder question is... Uh, what is your favorite way to eat potatoes? Oh, great question. <laughs> I'm kind of a fry snob, a french fry snob. I like steak fries or crinkle cut, okay. um, but they got to be done just right and they can't be coated with a lot of stuff. So I drive people nuts because I'll be ordering and I'll say, how do you do your fries? And they'll look at me like, what does that matter? <laughs> but it does. It me. does. Any dipping sauce? No. No. Straight no. fry. Just salt. Oh, wow. Okay. Erin, what about you? I'm a baked potato girl. Oh, yeah. I love baked potatoes. Um, in the skin, butter, salt and pepper, and that's it. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron and Tom, for joining me today on Strengthen Your Roots. I'm so grateful we had the opportunity to chat about how Salesforce was built and the change management that was involved throughout the project. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast episode. Please email dollar sign roots with any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Also, don't forget to answer the podcast ponder question on Yammer for a chance to win some Roots swag. Come back next month for a new series focused on side hustles and sign up for our email subscription so you do not miss the next Roots email. Thanks all. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Strengthen Your Roots. We hope you'll join us again on our next episode.